It's now time for everyone's favorite game entitled Change My Name, Change My Name. Is, is that everyone's favorite game? Do you need a minute? If no one is around you, baby, be I love you. I'm just going to see myself out. Every other day, I would call. You would say, baby, how's your day? But today it ain't the same. Every other word is a huh. Yeah, okay. Why don't you say the things that you said to me yesterday? I know they say that I'm assuming things. Something's going down. It's the way it seems. Shouldn't be the reason why you're acting strange if nobody's holding you back from me. I know how you usually do so here's how we play you have i have never been around more white in my life (laughs) (laughs) so much it's like the hoedown version for a while (laughs) so here's how we play Mm -hmm. it turns out that there are a lot of artists who kind of have unremarkable names actually those those unremarkable names are their stage names and basically what I have here is a list of 10 names of people who I did not realize that these were stage names. So I'm going to offer these up to you. You each get five. The other can steal if one misses. So, so what I'm looking for is for you to give me the stage name of this musical artist. I'm going to give you their Christian name and an anagram of their stage name. And you have to give me the stage name. Okay? Okay. I get it. So... <clears throat> M, your first one. Ambrose Run. Engelbert Humperdinck. Hold on, hold on. No, hold on. no. Their no. given name is Final answer. Peter Jean Hernandez. What am I supposed to do? This is someone's stage name, all discombobulated. God. It's an anagram. My first answer stands. So, so Ambrose Run, you're saying, is Engelbert Humberdink. Yeah, spelling's not my forte. Joe, would you like to steal? Peter Jean Hernandez is Bruno Mars. <sighs> okay. <clears throat> That's what I said. Robert Allen Zimmerman, Joe. Stage name, Andy Blob. One for the steal. Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan, yes. Ding, da, ding, ding, ding. Very good. Okay. M. Catherine Elizabeth Hudson. Artie Perky. <laughs> um. Hmm. Katy Perry. Yes. Wow. Very good. Okay. But That's I like Artie Perky. Joe, Reginald Kenneth Dwight, John Lento. Elton John. Oh. John Rogers Stevens. Gino held New Jersey. <laughs> Again, the name was John Rogers Stevens. <laughs> Gino held NJ. John Legend? Yes. Very good. I, I sincerely thought that was his real name. Really? Legend? John? Legend. If you could pick any name in the world, you're going to go John? Declan Patrick Aloysius McManus, 
Clive Sosotel. <laughs> okay, so my confirmation name is Aloysius. Uh-huh. So you've given this a lot of thought. And Declan Aloysius, I'm thinking this has got to be either an Irishman or a Scotsman. Uh-huh. So I'm racking my mind who uh-huh. are some... Um, this is a stall It's not if Van, Mor- it's not Van Morrison, even though there's a V. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look like it's any Beatle. It doesn't look like... Doesn't look like who? Who's the guy from uh, Three. Elvis Costello? Yes, very good. Pulled it out. So it is two to one right now. There are better methods. You ready? <laughs> Annika Tanya Mirage, Mickey Ninja. Mickey not Nicki Minaj. Ooh, Mickey Minaj. Mickey Ninja is a great stage. <laughs> Nicki Ninja sounds like Nicki Minaj. <laughs> That's the best I can do. All right. <laughs> I think you'll get this just based on how it's being presented to you. Stephen Georgiou. Two names. Stephen Cast. Cat Stevens. And Alfie Yuzuism was Cat Stevens or Yusef Islam. So Stephen Cast. Yeah. It's very close. John Lento is one letter off from being Elton John. But it's also very, it's one letter off from John Lennon. Okay. Ready? Well, two, two or three. I don't know. Whatever. Elizabeth Woolridge Grant. Dana Yeller. I give up. Lana Del Rey. Lana Del Rey. I see it. Okay. I see it. Yours to tie it. I guess I never gave a prize, so we'll give a punishment instead. Um, whoever... Loses. We'll have 100 bad days in your future. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. I've had so many bad days already. Steve-Lind. <laughs> it might be Steve-Lind. Hardaway Judkins. This, the this is a given name, by the way. I can't imagine why you changed it. Derwin Vitos. Steve-Lind. Hardaway Judkins. <laughs> Derwin Vitos. <laughs> Steve Irwin. Does he, does he do a lot of music? You won. So Joe's going to have 100 more bad days. I can't do it. But he's going to have 100 good stories. Stone? Something. I don't know. Correct answer is Stevie Wonder. Oh. What stage name would you assume? Stage name generator. Mm, Lemmy Delvato. Oh. Okay. Named after my dog and Demi Lovato. And the AIDS medication. This is Deep Dive Divas. Each episode, myself and a guest diva listen to every Blessed Studio album by an artist of their choosing and share our findings with you, boy. Our guest today is Emily Grace. Emily Grace is an actor on stage and screen. You can see her in productions ranging from Creed 2, 21 Bridges, and Dispatches from Elsewhere. She is a set and prop designer. She's also the best dang friend I ever had. To find out more about Emily Grace, you can check out her fabulous website using the links in today's show notes. How'd you hear about AJR? I heard their music in a commercial and that 
Do you recall what the ad was for? No clue. Did you purchase the product? I'm pretty sure I didn't. Sorry. Is there a chance you did accidentally, but not because of that? Absolutely. I'm pretty sure it wasn't Beats by Dre, but yes. Mm. What marketing campaigns have you folks found effective in that the advertising incentivized you to purchase the commodity? Duluth Trading Company is pretty good. They make underpants? Among other things, I believe. Have you bought things from there or do you just like them? I bought them for other people, not for uh, myself, typically. Always the bridesmaid. I know. <laughs> and then after you heard them in a commercial, what what was the next step? Did you look up that exact song? or? Yeah, a lot of times that's how I find me- new music. Um, just through commercials, I'll hear something, a sound that I like. And mm. I really thought it was an interesting, catchy... An unusual sound? AJR are a power pop trio of brothers from Bayside, Queens, New York. Yeehaw! (laughs) They have four albums, of which several have charted on the Billboard 200, and they've had several singles on the Billboard Hot 100 charts. They've been nominated for American music, unlike those other sham varieties of music. The Billboard Music, the iHeartRadio Music, and the Teen Choice Awards. So follow me back, if you will, (laughs) to the year 2002, where architects Laurie Marvald and Gary Metzger had sex. I need an adult. And had, well, it's a little hot. Architect sex, that's like just below construction worker sex. Once again, I'd like to apologize to AJR. And construction workers. <laughs> construction workers everywhere. Architects, though. And as a <laughs> no, they're fine. You're welcome. Okay. Yeah. As a consequence of this dirty, dirty, gross thing that these two architects did, they have three children together Aww. from several sessions of having sex. Wasn't all at once. You don't know. They that. didn't get it done in once. There's a seven-year gap between you the there. eldest and the youngest. I don't think. You don't know. You're right. This is proof how many babies of divine intervention. Do you have? You have the eldest, Adam, which in Hebrew means the earthling. He is born in 1990, and he will grow up to be a bassist and percussionist. The next eldest, four years later, Adam probably thought he was in the clear. He's like, whew, only child, baby. And then in comes Ryan in 1994. In the group AJR, he is the keyboard player, trumpet player, Vox, drummer, ukulele main producer he's like the multi-instrumentalist he's the prince of the group yeah prince ryan all hail prince ryan everybody we all live in the yellow submarine a yellow submarine. A yellow submarine. <laughs> and then you have Jack, the baby, who was born in 1997, and he will grow up to be the lead singer of the musical group AJR. And the family in 2002 packs up their bags and says, we're moving to Beverly, Chelsea, Manhattan. They moved to Manhattan. So they're now in the Nexus. Would you say that Ryan is the cute one? Which is the cute one? I think that's what most people would say. I think they're all kind of cute. They're all cute? Mm-hmm. But would you say In that he ways. is the cute one? Mm. I would not. 
No. Mm-mm. You're not the cutest. I, I can't pick a favorite. We're not no. asking that. I can't, whoa, 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 whoa. We've been accused of underpaying our staff. Sure. Of busting unions. People got paid? Uh-huh. Of... Sh- shut up. <laughs> of destroying the environment. This entire endeavor is powered by finances we've acquired from the blockchain. Thank you, Raytheon. We've been accused of all of our merch being made by child labor. Shout out Owen and Jack and Raytheon. <laughs> but no one will ever accuse us of asking you to pick a favorite AJR member. I appreciate that, except for you two. So which one's the cute one? Mm-mm. Nope. What is this, Sophie's choice? What are you, Nazis? You're not Sophie. Look, no know. one thinks that Ringo is my the sexy name. beetle. We just think he's the cute one. He's the cute Ooh. one. So four years later, uh-huh. in the year of 2006, when these three brothers are spanning the ages of 16 to 8, they start busking in Central Park in New York City. This turns out to be far more profitable than I thought. How much would you expect they could make an hour busking in Central Park? Playing covers of like that. They famously would open up with like the Jackson 5 and stuff like that. I don't know. 100 being, bucks. Being very talented. Yeah, as many as $100. 150 is their estimate per hour on average. Regularly. Mm-hmm. But they also talk about times where they would just play and play and play. And, yeah, no one would play. And, so yeah. average. And then other times they probably made $5,000 in a minute. Oh. I, I don't. Oh, that to me is a lot of money to make $150 an hour. Holy smokes. They get kicked out of Central Park because they didn't have a permit to perform there. Apparently, it's kind of hard to get a permit there. So most people just do it illegally. And it's like, Mm -hmm. I'd rather beg for forgiveness than ask for permission sort of thing. So they relocate to Washington Square with a permit, which was much easier to get than Central Park. All three of the brothers attend the Professional Children's School in the Upper East Side, which is basically where you go, it seems like, if you come for money and uh, want to have a career in... The business of show. And just as a testament to the good that this school did them, Jack, the cute one, was featured in The Pink Panther 2 alongside Steve Martin, as well as one episode (laughs) of Law & Order Criminal Intent. So in 2010, they put out two albums. They put out Born & Bred and Venture, both of which they have pulled and routinely try to get taken down from the internet. Uh, you can find full, or what people claim are full uh, cuts of it. Usually, it's just Rick Astley's never going to give you up. <laughs> so I got Rick rolled three times today. That didn't feel great. So they do record two albums. Again, it doesn't seem to be something that they're particularly proud of. While uh, the band is putting out these covers records and getting no success whatsoever, Adam, the eldest, is attending Columbia university and he gets his master's degree from there and eventually his phd in international human rights law all from columbia all from columbia weird mm-hmm. branch out a little bit adam. branch out try something new adam yeah, yeah. skip town go to temple yeah lahayam <laughs> funny that i should mention that they are a culturally jewish band lahayam and also with you Ryan will also go to Columbia for one year before he drops out of there, baby! Because his rock and roll band is getting too big for him to go to school. He don't need no education. School's out for summer, baby. Speaking of summer, July 17th, the AJR EP hits shelves in 2012. And nothing really happens. <laughs> no one really cares. While Ryan is in class at Columbia... A class that he is taking with Adam 
by the way. They're both in the same class together. And it's like one of those giant lecture halls. And Ryan is like anxious over the fact that nothing is happening with this EP. It's now the third time they've recorded something, which for like a group of young kids is a lot. So he just starts sending out this lyric video they made to the song, I'm Ready, to about 80 celebrities, he estimates. Just like, please, someone pay attention to us. Please, someone care. Nothing really happens for a while. Until they get a call from some guy named Steve Greenberg, who says, Hello. Australian artist Sia reached out to me and said that you guys are great. I like what I've heard. I want to, as a former executive at Columbia Records, you see the through line here? I do. And the current executive of S-Curve Records, I want to be your co-manager, and I am not going to sign you. This is where AJR's story gets very interesting. For the vast majority of their career, they will not be on a record label. They will not even record in a record studio. They record almost all of their music in their living room. This song, I'm Ready, features... A clip from the pilot episode of SpongeBob SquarePants. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I know what you're thinking when the bass starts ringing. Can you tell me when you're stoked to start? Are you ready for tonight? Setting it on fire and we'll dance until we're dumb in the dark. This single to this day has received 40 million streams on YouTube. The most streamed video of all time has 10.77 billion. Any guesses as to what that might be? It's not Charlie Bit My Finger. I don't know. Baby Shark. And I'm Ready will go platinum in Canada and Australia, our neighbors to the north. That's a lot. And down under. Ooh. Oh. Steve Greenberg also managed acts of three brothers, such as Hanson and the Jonas Brothers. And the Baja Men. I would like to point out that uh, our friend Steve has a Grammy. Mm-hmm. For producing the best dance recording of the year 2000, who let the dogs out? Who? The Baja Men. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Steve Greenberg encourages the boys to stay off record labels. He says, you don't need it. You have enough talent to mix and produce this on your own. You're doing it with no funding, pretty much. Literally all of the recording devices and instruments came from the funds that they raised while busking on the streets. And he says, just keep doing your own thing. And I wonder if that's because Hanson and Jonas Brothers kind of got taken for a ride by the record companies. And he, he, I think, as a slightly older, experienced vet in the music industry, was like, just don't mess with it. You don't need to anymore. Yeah, nowadays you can make, like Spotify, they're giving the largest cut to the record label, the second largest cut to the manager, and the third largest cut to the artist. So as their manager, it's easy for him to say, let's make that two cuts where we both get a bigger cut. Mm -hmm. You know, even if he isn't giving them the larger cut, 
While we're on the subject of I'm Ready, it gets picked up by SiriusXM, and this brings in a great deal of new fans and attention to them, so much so that they get picked up for a bunch of morning shows, um, ranging from Ellen DeGeneres to The Big Morning Buzz to Good Day, New York. In 2013, they put out another EP, initially entitled Six Foot One, before they were encouraged to change it to simply I'm Ready. In 2013, they are named Clear Channel, which if you're not familiar with Clear Channel, they own everyone. Yikes. Uh, Ticketmaster, Live Nation, uh, most record companies. The Devil. The Devil, yes. Um, They name AJR the Artist on the Rise for the month of October. They are followed in suit the following year by iHeartRadio. They name AJR January's Artist of the Month. A subsidiary of (laughs) Clear Channel. And MySpace, also a subsidiary of Clear Channel. (laughs) Really? Even at that point? Wow. Names AJR One to Watch in February. (laughs) They put out yet another EP. So that's three EPs in the span of two years entitled Infinity in September of that year. And this was supposed to be their debut album. But basically, they... Joe, I'm sure you can relate to this, where just before you go and record something, you're like, I have five new things I really want to record, but they're not ready. AJR, because they're recording all this from their living room, they have the ability to... These these due dates are much more flexible than it would be for an artist who's going into a studio. So they basically say, we're just going to make what's supposed to be the album an EP, and we're going to take that EP and then add on all this new stuff we want to put on there additionally. We finally get that album in 2015, entitled... Living Room comes out March 3rd, again, recorded entirely in their apartment, and the band does everything on this record, from actually playing it, to actually recording it, to mixing it, to providing samples, everything except the mastering. Joe, can you tell the viewers what mastering is? It's where you ship your record off to a wizard and they make it the right volume and they charge you 20 million dollars insane <laughs> amounts of money for it it's why when you listen to new music sometimes you're like this is very loud why is the old music so quiet and this music is so loud it's mostly because of the of, wizard because of the wizard he makes the music more loud so for the mastering they hire chris Geringer. Um, who masters everyone from Gwen Stefani to Lady Gaga, Drake, Rihanna. So what did you think of Living Room? Um, I named it as my least favorite of their mm. albums, but that was tough to say because I love all of them. But you um, love this one the least. There were, I, there are a lot of songs on it I like just love, 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 but there were two songs that I was kind of meh. So my yuck icky song. Yes, it's it's thirsty. Thirsty is also my yuck icky song. Yeah. Um, answer. Yeah. Good answer. Good answer. Good answer. Um, it sucks. It's it's terrible. It's it's like, trying to be anthemic. I think like in the way of like, uh, do you remember Asher Ross? I love college. Yeah. Hey! It's not cohesive, and it's like yodeling plus weird frat yeah. boys. Yeah. Like what? Why? Thirsty Thursday. <laughs>
it just doesn't feel like them at all. Yeah. But tell us about the good parts about this record. Well, first of all, I love the fact that they do overtures. We've talked about that. But I think that's such a neat, unique idea. Yeah, basically, the first track of each of their albums is almost like a mashup they do of the songs that are going to be on the record. And I I think it's a really neat and creative idea. And... Joe and I were talking about this, I think sort of a testament to the fact that they're thinking about their album as an album mm-hmm. instead of just a collection of singles. Mm-hmm. Um, there does seem to be like they want it to be paced in the right way so that you're constantly being pulled in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the overture shows how seriously they take this and how fully developed the concept of the album is. They're they're tremendous showmen. I mean, their their shows are fantastic, but I even mean that from the the standpoint of... Of like you said, it it feels the whole album feels like um, like a soundtrack to a musical or something mm-hmm. like that. There's that like there's sort sort of a through line to them, and I think the overture just speaks to that. I guess right. Uh, I really like Infinity. It has I think a really good mix of acoustic and synthetic instruments, which I think a lot of people who they get lumped in with like Twenty One Pilots and Imagine Dragons are pretty much more hardcore on the synth side. What do you think of Woody Allen? I love Woody Allen, the song. Um, I think it would have been a rock anthem, an indie rock anthem, uh, had it not been for the fact that um, AJR was not particularly big at this time and Woody Allen turned out to be a fucking creep. Woody Allen's got a great pace for me. It's like probably the, one of their most accessible songs where like I think anyone who likes any genre of music could hear that and probably enjoy it. I wrote that it it feels like pot, that I don't know what that means, but it just, it's like laid back and ballsy and fun yeah. and just, yeah, there's just something. Like Woody Allen. Like Woody Allen. <laughs> laid back, feels ballsy, ballsy fun. and fun. <laughs> Loves football. <laughs> like pot. He's a guy you'll uh, want to have a beer with. <laughs> They're so young. What is what exposure? Mm, poor choice of words. Ooh. Have they had oh, <laughs> to Woody Allen at this point? Like, is there a specific movie that they're referencing? They love What's is Up, there... Tiger Lily. I think that the songs uh, "Big White Bed" and "Growing Old on Bleecker Street" uh, show a real ability to shift genres. Okay. We may 
So they start cultivating a look after uh, Living Room comes out. They're all pretty much like carbon copy, like Vampire Weekend-esque looking guys with like their button-up os- Oxfords all the way, clean shaven. That all goes out the window, and they pretty much will hold on to this for at least the next seven years, at least at this time of recording. Adam grows his hair out, uh, both facial and, you know, that stuff on top of his head. Ryan kind of retains the clean-shaven look and wears glasses. Adam claims that Ryan doesn't need those glasses. He, he says said that, that it's too, just a style yeah. thing. Oh, Ryan said that. Ryan also it? said that. Wow, scandalous. Mm-hmm. Um, get your own ocular deficiencies, Ryan. Disability. (laughs) Jack uh, looks very scruffy, and he starts wearing a distinctive bomber hat, which he says is his mom's. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. That's funny. It's like an yes. It's like very Elmer Fudd kind of. The band also starts going by the last name Met, so they change their name from Metzger to Met. In 2016, (laughs) they put out another EP entitled What Everyone's Thinking on September 16th. And we don't talk about EPs in here. So Um, the lead single from that EP was Weak. And that song was written by the band in a couple hours. Uh, They didn't want to overthink it too much. And it's all about giving in to temptation. Week will go platinum in the United States of America. This might be the first song I've ever heard because you, M, sent it to me. That's me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the EP, What Everyone's Thinking, will essentially just have more tracks on it and be re-released as their second album, The Click, on June 9th, 2017. Uh, the With Click. A CK. Yes. And The, <laughs> the Click is another... Yes, it's, the Met. It's, it's a metronome. Like the Metropolitan Opera House in New York. <laughs> Just like that. The Click is probably my favorite. Wow! Hot cake. But again, it was really hard for me to pick. Call My Dad is one of my favorites. Yeah. I just really want to call my dad. My dad. Call My Dad samples Sloop John B. by the Beach Boys. Oh. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel so broke up. I want to go home. So hoist up the John B. sail. See how the mainsail sets. Call for the captain ashore. Let me go home. Let me go home. So bro- 
So they team up with their friend Rivers Cuomo of Weezer on the song Sober Up. That was my yummy, yummy song when I first heard them today. <laughs> okay. It's a good song. Dude, Joe was sitting there with his feet up on our, our table. And As I said, often do. This is nice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not where I'm supposed to be I hope that you're missing me Cause it makes me feel young Won't you help me sober up Growing up and make me numb And I wanna feel something again Won't you help me sober up All the big kids they got drunk Sober Up is almost my yummy. It's, yummy it was song. right there for me. Uh, yeah, yep. it's beautiful. Like, there's just, again, it's so, I don't know, there was something haunting and sad and unique, but relatable to it. I think my yummy song might be normal. It's just got an aching feeling and an uncertainty. They talk about the struggle with mental issues in a lot of them and this feels like it's not pointed it's not talking about anyone in particular it's just talking about that feeling of like almost what the fuck's wrong with me and mm. it's Don't not one that i would it. dance to but it's one that like i think is really well written well you don't have to worry about it anymore because it's only on the deluxe edition so we're not going to cover it is it should go back home the previous album has no featured instrumentalists at all literally everything you hear they made this album shifts a little bit in that they do have some guest vocalists and musicians um mostly playing strings and brass pretty much everything else they handle and they also have a couple audio mixers doing stuff so that ryan doesn't have to do it all particularly i imagine with the strings and brass yeah the Click debuts at 61 on the Billboard 200. That's as high as it will reach. Um, and it has gone gold since. Critics didn't like this album. It very much got panned. Um, I think they were expecting them to go into like the more twee category, and they weren't expecting more anthemic sort of music. Uh, they released the song It's On Us for the organization of the same name, It's On Us, uh, which was started by one Barack Hussein Obama. And his vice president, Sleepy Joe, <laughs> the guy who's making the gas expensiver. Yep, he did that. He turned that dial in the White House and oh, yep. made our gas. He's making sure that rents are the highest. Uh-huh. He loves That makes he, him very popular. He likes when the rent goes up. Uh-huh. He's really into that. It's a good thing to do. It's his fault. Mm -hmm. They start an organization called It's On Us, which is... Um, Poised to combat sexual assault on college campuses. And AJR's song is about doing just that. Preventing, not participating in. It's not your fault, you don't feel safe. It's not your fault, so don't take blame. 
I think it's really interesting that at such a young age, they are so proactive in so many ways um, where they talk quite frequently within their music about how uncertain so many things are. It's like the things that they know, the things that they know that they believe in, they aren't afraid to move forward and, and take a stance on. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. In 2018, they will spend the entire year touring the click and also writing some music as they're touring, which is hard. A lot of bands can't write new music when they tour. Um, like Paul Banks from Interpol was very much on the record. He's like, we need, we can't be doing anything when we're writing new music because just the space available to us does not lend itself to that. Like you're on a bus 90% of the day, mm -hmm. you pull in, you play the show and you go. AJR, since a lot of this music is coming from like their laptop and ukulele, like they're able to write these songs with very little equipment. I feel like for them as well, it's an outlet for that. Like, I mean, I know music is an outlet, blah, 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 mm -hmm. hot take. But um, I just think that for them, their brains never turn off. Like, they're very, very intelligent. They actually talk about struggling with depression, with... OCD, OCD. synesthesia. I wouldn't, yeah, yeah, that's an interesting one. Mm -hmm. I'd all be surprised if there's some ADHD in there. Like, I think that their brains just don't shut off. And so probably when they're on tour, that is their their outlet to almost. get away from making music professionally they're going to make more music and i think you're right like i think it is an outlet to it's weird when you keep playing the same songs over and over again to like have a new song and that can be so reinvigorating and energizing where it feels it does even though it sounds stupid because it's like it's still music and you're still the one who made it it to me feels like a totally different thing and it, that when I feel my most burnout in music is usually what pulls me back in is writing a new song that I'm hype about, you know? Mm -hmm. Early 2019, in January, um, they released one of these songs that they wrote on tour called 100 Bad Days. It is featured on Taylor Swift's Apple Music playlist, and they get to perform it on Jimmy Kimmel Live. made a hundred good stories a hundred good stories make me interesting at parties a hundred bad days made a hundred good stories a hundred good stories make me interesting at parties yeah no i Joe and I were talking about this earlier. It sounds like a mixture of real and synthetic brass, or they're either really distorted. Because on the liner notes, it does say that it is actual brass, but it seems like they're messing with it in a weird way that makes it sound like brass in a way I really haven't heard it before. sounds like a whole ass marching band right. like it does it sounds gargantuan and i think they have like two or three trumpet players and that's it and they just like layer it over and right. over and again and crushes it with a wall of sound in april of 2019 uh just a couple months after 100 bad days comes out they put out their third record neo theater um it's made pretty much the same exact way as the click where they have a few guest 
vocalists. Um, mostly it's like a string quartet that they bring in. This album I thought had like the most lush vocal harmonies. I was telling Joe, to me, it sounds almost like the Carpenters, and I could have sworn that they sampled a bunch of the stuff, and it's not. It's literally just stuff that they did. Um, it made sound very vintage, almost like it was coming through a record player. I loved it. I mean, I, there's so many good songs on it. And mm. talked about 100 Bad Days. Uh, birthday Party is adorable. So Birthday Party is from the perspective of a child who has been alive for one minute mm-hmm. and kind of talking about how amazing life is going to be. Right. Um, and it's very Mistake. like childish in its delivery. And like, it has this like beautiful optimism that I think this band nails. And then halfway through, I don't know if you picked up on this, they cut to in heaven by David Lynch, as in the director, right. which is in yeah. his first film, The Eraser Head, which is sung by a woman as there's like this demonic the lady in the radiator. Yeah. Um, I do know that Ryan was a film student for his one year at Columbia before he dropped out for the band. Um, so he saw the one film student. Maybe, I guess so. But I, I think there's an interest in that and Woody Allen. And, you know, there, there are references yeah, yeah. to films in their music. This record, Neo Theater, will premiere at number one on the Billboard Top Alternative Albums chart and the Top Rock Albums. Uh, and it will go as high as eight on the Billboard 200. Just massive crack in the top ten. Um, critics really like this record. I think that unlike on the click, they kind of knew what to expect going into this one. And I think that they felt that they elevated their art form on this. They plan a tour to celebrate and promote Neo Theater in the year 2020. And it gets canceled. A million dollar. Notably, not until May 14th. They were going to go the distance. They waited like two months. Yeah. I don't blame them. I mean, the whole world waited two months sure, to yeah. see what yeah, the yeah. hell was going to happen. Sure. Um, but yeah, May 14th, they canceled the rest of their tour, with the exception of one show at a drive-in on August 19th at Citizens Bank Park in Philadelphia. No kidding? It's like the one show they played this entire Woo-hoo. tour. Hometown heroes. Undeterred, they will continue making music. In 2020, they put out the song, Bang! With an exclamation point. Here we go. And this was actually originally meant to be just an additional track on the deluxe edition of Neo Theater. And then they held off and they're like, no, this is really good. We should 
It should be the single for the next record. And also, we're not we're not going to sell any records not releasing new music, and we can't make any money touring. So right. Uh... So they so they hold on to it, and the band puts out a few singles for the next album, but it won't actually come out until almost an entire year later on March 26, twenty twenty one, and this is their fourth and to date final record, OK Orchestra. Uh, OK Orchestra has thirteen tracks, including one featuring the Blue Man Group on a song called "Ordinaryish People." I was kind of disappointed. I expected it to be zanier and wackier. Um, With that title and that, yeah, I wouldn't lineage. really, I wouldn't really know that the Blue Men Group were on it. I n- knew that from reading on up on them, but yeah, even going back and listening, I was like, no, okay, if you say, I so. guess they're there. Sure. I can't prove they weren't. Right. Goodbye, ordinary people. We had quite the runs in, and we go, but you got. I actually read an article about the the three of them during the epidemic and having to do uh, quarantine, and two of them were together, and uh, Adam, Adam wasn't. The Earth um, and he said, you know, we still are on the phone every day and working every day. And, and um, but I just thought it was really interesting. I mean, what must that be like to not only be cut off from the world, but to know that your two best friends, your two brothers are, are at least together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're across the city and can't even see them. Sure. It's going to suck. Yeah. Still kind of cool that they were able to work together because for a lot of sure. people that that killed so many records that were supposed to come out that year because they couldn't physically get in a room together, you know? Mm-hmm. OK Orchestra is home to my yummy, yummy song. Wait, let me guess. Joe, mm-hmm. because it's about me. <laughs> you got to be. Oh, man. Is it Christmas in June? You love Christmas. And it is June. It's Christmas in June. Is it? Mm-hmm. That's really? My favorite song of theirs. Um, I love the piano in it. It feels wow. It's so fun. It feels like a song that would have been just as at home in the 1950s, but with modern instruments. Um, All right. I love it. I, I think it's cute. I think it's fun. Um, it's it's the one I keep going back to. I love Christmas in June. This record comes out to extremely positive reviews. People really, really like OK Orchestra. Bang wins the Billboard Music Award for Top Rock Song. That's kind of the first like big music outlet award that they have won. They've been nominated for a bunch of things, but they actually take this one home. It debuts at 10 on the Billboard 200. That's as high as it'll go, but still a massive achievement. Which is insane to me because it was. I feel like it was everywhere. Yeah, yeah. It was one on the Top Alternative Albums and Top Rock Albums chart. But that's all getting really murky now because I feel like AJR are like a pop group, but they keep getting branded with alternative. I think a lot of that has to do with how their music's produced. Like we've covered indie rock on this show. Like it doesn't really get much more independent than this. They haven't been on a record label. 
right. through pretty much their entire career. They make almost everything in their apartment. Like, it's as DIY as it gets, you know? Yeah. It is so funny to think of it as rock music because it's largely made on synthesizers. The drums are fully just hip-hop drums. Mm-hmm. Um, the melodies are often influenced by musical theater. Yeah. I think um, I think they really challenge... I think it's probably really hard for the folks at Billboard to even put them in a box because they're... They kind of transcend all these things. Right. In some ways, at this point, rock just means like they're white guys. Right. <laughs> truly. Truly. Like there's very little about this. It's rock. Sure. But when you put on Radio 104.5, our local iHeartRadio rock alternative station, um, you can be guaranteed to hear AJR like once an hour. So there's a track on this record called The Good Part, mm. which I was excited for Joe to hear AJR, because I'm like, he's going to know this song because he watches so much TikTok. Uh-huh. And, and he I did. Literally from the other room, I heard the good part come on, and when it got to the chorus, Joe went, oh yeah, this is on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> and that's actually from the previous record. So the good part yeah. is on the... the cl- it's from two albums previous. Yeah, this is an old song. Often and, that's the way it goes on yeah. TikTok. And TikTok brought it to life anew um so they they make a music video for it in november (laughs) years after it came out right um which i think is kind of amazing the good part features a sample from air on the g string not mozart from suite number three by bach bach Uh, sebastian bach oh yeah i knew that he was all about that g string he loved the g string i've always said that about jsb Mm -hmm. couldn't couldn't Mm -hmm. keep him off the g string can we skip to the good part In March of 2021, uh, they put out the OKO World, uh, which is a video game on their website that was taken down after a couple of months because basically, have you ever played Myst? Yeah. I know of it. Judging by the YouTube videos, uh, it looked like Myst in that like you just would click random things on this like building and then sometimes something would happen if you like if you clicked on a book, maybe it would open. If you clicked on a door, maybe it would open, you know, stuff like that. It was mostly clicking on things and hoping it would open. It was like on Google Maps when you <laughs> click and then you move to the next block. Yeah, mm, it's kind of like it. that. But like if you clicked on the right thing, you'd get to read a paragraph. Sure. Ooh, so in there, how exciting. instead of that, they would put like random videos of them playing live and stuff. Um, it doesn't seem like this was a particularly good video game or anyone cared about it. Um, so it was taken down it in fairly short sure order. But I love the fact that they're trying stuff like that. Yeah, like, yeah. who else? I've never had that? a video game. I like that they have the wherewithal to take it down. Which brings us to now. The band is currently out on their OK Orchestra tour, and they, weirdly enough, have actually um, done away with this whole indie thing, and they signed to Mercury Records, which is a subsidiary of Universal this year. So they are now on a record label. As of March this year, they begin working on an adaptation of the children's book Harold and the Purple Crayon for Broadway. Uh, they would like this to be a Broadway production, and it seems like it has some promise because one Vivek J. Tiwari, T-I-W-A-R-Y, Tiwari? Well, they're going to produce it, and uh, they also produced the Alanis Morissette adaptation, Jagged Little Pill, which closed <laughs> recently. The band said in a statement, quote, We adored Harold and the Purple Crayon growing up. 
And we thought, what if we saw Harold as a young adult, realizing that his problems are too profound to simply draw away? So the band's still on tour. Adam is still running his organization uh, with his partner, Emily Kate, which is, again, committed to sustainability and activism. Um, and Ryan and Jack still live together in their New York City apartment with their bouvier named Shay. Each episode, we like to highlight the up-and-coming work of a discography-developing diva. Today, that is SWJ Group. SWJ Group is a funky, groovy band from Manchester, England. Bass, beats, and horns collide with soaring guitars and keys. SWJ Group makes tunes that you can nod your head and limbs to. It is now time to run it up the flagpole and see who salutes, but no one ever does, with SWJ Group and their cover of Pull Up to the Bumper.
You can hear more from SWJ Group. Contact us to submit your own music for consideration, view our citations, listen to a playlist of our favorite AJR songs, and support Deep Dive Divas by following the links in this episode's show notes. What is the best AJR album? The Click, Neo Theater, or OK Orchestra. (laughs) (laughs) Not the first one. Living Room. No, it's okay, but it contains Thirsty. So. And you you would give all three of these albums tens, perfect tens. No, I think I gave the living room eight, and I think I gave the other three nines. Okay, what's what's missing? I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know that anything's. All of them had songs that I didn't absolutely adore, but I I still think. All right, fine. You've convinced me. Tens. They all get tens. Are you happy now? <laughs> Neo Theater was my favorite record by them. Um, for me, it's the most cohesive. I love those vocal samples all over the place. Uh, it's very lush. I think it's everything that they were always setting out to be. Mm-hmm. So what are you hoping for out of Joe's first bad day, out of his 100 bad days? What, what, do you, what ill do you wish upon him? To have to edit all this down. (laughs) 